0: Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the word. Amen and amen. Okay, so we're going to try to do this. Get on your feet, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Thanks, worship team, Pastor Steve, everybody. You guys are always phenomenal. We've been in a series called God Owns It All. It's a stewardship series. And so, like I said, after you get saved, we need to learn how to live like a Christian. Amen? So this is part of discipleship. Jesus said, go and make disciples into all the uh, nations of the world. And one way we do that is teaching them. Uh, teaching everyone that we are stewards, God owns everything, we are just stewards, so we've uh, been talking about that from time, talent, our treasure. last week was the gospel um, and today we 're going to talk about the body. This is going to be part one of the body, 1 Corinthians chapter six, then we 've got uh, Palm Sunday next Sunday. Amen. Good Friday, we have a Good Friday service, one of my favorite and then Easter how many 's bringing somebody to easter we got this is God is doing some incredible things here. I mean, look again, this place is packed we 've ordered a hundred more new chairs uh, so we 're going to be packing them in here we 've got a balcony we 're going to try to make work if we have to live feed into the chapel for overflow. These are good problems that God is blessing us with. Amen. And so don't be, uh, you know, afraid to invite someone and we have our online church. Amen. Make some noise online church. Let's welcome our online church. Amen. Welcome. Thank you for watching today. Uh, But if you're here, you plan on coming. There'll be plenty of seating uh, available. Bring a friend. We're going to, I got a message already. Can't wait to preach it. Uh, And it's going to be on Jesus, of course, celebrating the resurrection. And then the week after that, we're going to go back into the series. And I'm going to talk again, part two of our bodies and deal with sexuality, how we are supposed to be stewards, even over our sexuality and our sexual identity specifically, because that's something that uh, I believe a lot of people are just struggling with and confused about in our culture today. So today we're going to talk about eating healthy and taking care of the temple. Okay. So let me just say this. Number one, we still got a bake sale. Okay, so either eat it and then go for a run. We got a track here. I don't care, uh, but let's support the girls' ministry. We want to do that. Girls' ministry is awesome. A little shout out to them. One of our awesome teachers, Rosemary, just prayed with four little girls last Wednesday to accept Christ. Amen. On Wednesday nights. Thank you, thank you, and all the mentors uh, in Royal Rangers of Girls' Ministry. This is church. Your impact in lives. Some of you were, were born again or accepted Jesus as a child and you're walking with God to this day. Well hopefully those four will have that same testimony. So thank you for taking that time, Wednesday night groups and coming out and participating in that. Okay, we want to learn to talk about the body. I don't know how I'm gonna do this. Edit ed I'm sitting there editing as those very energizing announcements were being said, and we'll see how far we go. But first Corinthians chapter six, verse twelve, Paul is talking about our bodies. And he says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not beneficial or helpful. Mm. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I'm not under the Old Testament law, so all things are now lawful for me to do, but that doesn't mean I'm going to always do them. Notice what he said here, for I will not come under the power of any. Isn't it interesting that Paul is the most spirit-filled man I know, but yet he said, I can potentially come under bondage if I open that door again in my life. Paul said, I've been set free from that. All things are lawful. And I know we're going to talk about, he's talking about eating pork and food and all that, but I'm, you can relate that. It's a spiritual principle. God can set you free. He said, I ain't going to be messing with that, even though I'm, I can do it, but it will... Bring me under the power of it. We're going to end with that verse, Lord willing. Verse 13, foods for the stomach and stomach for the foods, but God will destroy both of them. In other words, they're temporary. Food and our bodies, they're temporary. They're not going to be here forever. forever. Now, the body is not meant for sexual immorality. We'll talk about that later, but for the Lord. And God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Talking about... Uh, the resurrection. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Do you not know? This is a common theme in Corinthians, a diatribe uh, form of literature, and he is always asking, "Do you not know?" That's just a style he's presenting here in writing. Do you not know? Uh, he was joined with the Lord is one. Verse 17, verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. That's the bottom line. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside of the body, but he who commits sexual sin sins against his own body. Notice that sexual sin is unique in nature. All sins are sins, yes, but sexual sin is unique in nature. It has far-reaching effects that can really change the whole trajectory of your life. It, it is, we'll talk about that another week. Uh, Do you not know? Here's our verse we're going to start with tonight, this morning. Do you not know that your body is the temple? Everybody say, I'm a temple. temple. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body and, and your spirit, which are God's. And then on the screen. Third John 2, I love this. Beloved, I wish above all things, hear this scripture, I wish above all things, God is wishing and praying above all things, that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. The word soul is our emotional health. So I want you to know this right now, that God's will for our life is to be physically and emotionally healthy. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray your blessing upon our time in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I'm going to try my best to get through this. This is, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never preached an entire sermon. Uh, I've been pastoring for nine years, been a youth minister for 11 years. We talked a lot in youth ministry about sexuality and stuff, but I never really took a whole message and talked about taking care of the temple. So this is a little out of my comfort zone. Uh, I'm going to try to stick to my notes the best I can. Uh, normally, I don't use my notes too much. Uh, But it helps me to make sure all my research and studying that I've done, I pronounce things right and I give it to you right on topics like this. I want to make a correction. Uh, I said something on the very opening message of God Owns It All that was, uh, I got excited, got into talking about it and I said the earth is spinning 24,000 miles a second, okay? That is not true. I got too excited. My mouth got ahead of my mind. The, the earth is rotating 1,000 miles an hour, okay? And uh, within an hour, the earth rotates 23 to 24 hours. I always like to make sure what I'm saying to you is correct from up here, okay? So, uh, yeah, welcome to my wor- world. Sometimes I go back and I watch myself, and I'm like, what are you doing? And, uh, <laughs> So want you to know that I, I I correct myself. So amen. Anyway, so uh, I'm going to today try my best to show us how to be a good steward of our bodies by answering three questions today. So I don't have an outline. But you want to write this stuff down? Uh, it's going to help you. you we know, don't hear a whole lot about this in the church world growing up, and 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 just we just don't. It's always burn out for Jesus. You know, eat whatever you want. We're not under the law. Hallelujah. Just eat anything that slows down. Amen. And. Uh, You know, God, it won't hinder you at all. Uh, But I want you to know that that may be true as it pertains to salvation, but it will, it does have consequences to our health and our ability to be here for our children and grandchildren and so forth. And we are to honor God with our body. Amen? So let's start at verse 20. I'm going to try to work my way back up with these three questions. Verse 20 says, glorify God with your bodies. So this is a purpose scripture. Remember the series uh, I talked about identity, vision, and purpose. Uh, Purpose. This is a a purpose scripture. It tells us the purpose of our bodies. Why is that important? Because whenever we don't know the purpose of something, abuse is inevitable, right? When you don't know the, the purpose of those attachments at the vacuum cleaner, if we don't know the purpose of what they are really for, we end up using them and breaking them. It's that way with life. We don't understand the purpose of our bodies. We start putting substances and things in our bodies, and then we are sick, and it really hinders us. And it's abusing our bodies because we haven't realized that the purpose of our body, here it is, is to glorify God with our bodies. I know it sounds... Is this the right church? I mean, this is biblical. When I begin to study this, I'm like, this is all over the Bible. Why don't we talk more about this? And so I'm just going to try to give you the tip of the iceberg on it. So question number one, how do we glorify God with our bodies? It was amazing. I looked at the song during worship, the the song list, and one of them is magnify God. I said, wow, this is amazing. Had no idea that was the song selection. It's amazing what God does with Pastor Steve and myself and the worship team. Uh, But this is how we can understand how to glorify God with our body. The word glory means to magnify. The word glory means to magnify. That's what it means. So magnify God in the way you carry yourself. What does a magnifying glass do? When you drop something, you use a magnifier to make it easier to find what you lost. Paul is saying if you want to glorify God with your bodies, make it easy for people to see Christ and to find Christ in the way you carry yourself. Magnify God. Back in the Old Testament, it was very easy to find a Jew or a Hebrew or a follower of Yahweh, uh, even if they were Egyptian, because the Bible says when Israel came out of Egypt, many Egyptians wanted to become followers of Yahweh and Jehovah God. And so it wasn't just the Jewish people. Read it in your Bible. God has always been open to everybody. But the Leviticus, let me explain it to you in 30 seconds. All of the foods that we're not supposed to eat and all the clothes and the way they would wear their hair and, and all of those things. Though God said, I want you to, to dress like this and eat like this so that when people see you, it's easy to identify that you are a person in covenant with Jehovah God. All the other religions, even to this day, will, will glorify their God with the way they wear their hair or a dot on their head or their, their garb and their outfits. What do they do that for? They're magnifying their God. So in the Old Testament, that's why God said, I want you to do this. Now, he told them to not eat certain foods, and there's a whole list, but we all know the most popular one is bacon. Hallelujah. Why did God say that? Well, it's interesting because later we discovered that bacon and pork is one of the worst foods we can eat. I'm just saying it. I don't care. I don't, don't mean to offend you or make you upset. You've not wolf down two plates of it this morning. I'm just saying. Uh, and they didn't know it at the day, but all the animals that God listed in Leviticus are actually uh, not good for us. If we really... And I like pork, and hey, I still eat a little bit of it. And, I, and now that I'm turning 50, hallelujah, uh, I found out that there's this thing called turkey bacon. Amen. So... Um, But God said, I want you to eat these foods because you're going to be more healthier, you're going to live longer, you're going to be blessed on the earth, okay? So let's move all of this into the New Testament. Jesus came along and said, you know what, guys? They had the law from God of how to dress and carry themselves. They had that right, but they missed the whole point of the law. It wasn't in their hearts. In other words, they focused more on outward appearances rather than it was on their hearts. And Jesus said, you can go ahead and eat pork if you want, because nothing in itself is going to pervert you or um, defile you. But what defiles us is what comes out of our heart. Now, obviously, he did not mean anything, because I don't think crystal meth is a good idea to put into your body. So let's stay within context. He's simply addressing a Jewish audience and saying at one time all of your life you were told to stay away from this food. It's not the best thing for you to eat, but it's not going to hinder your salvation. You're still going to go to heaven if you eat bacon. You just will get there a little bit sooner if you keep eating it. Amen. It has nothing to do with your salvation, so grub down on the pork. Y'all have a pig roast at the church. Amen. That's it. Invite me if you do. Amen. Don't get offended if I eat turkey bacon because I am getting older. Anyway. But here's the thing in the new testament the bible does teach us that we can still glorify god uh, not so much as outward appearances and we are also to dress modesty and to represent christ with our temple and and i know that's another whole discussion peter talks about i raised two daughters we raised two daughters and we had that conversation during their teenage years i know we we taught our girls there's a difference between dressing attractive and dressing seductive And that don't let your natural beauty be all about your outward appearance, the braiding of the hair and the jewelry. That's what Peter was saying. But let it be the the character of your heart. And so New Testament teaching is how do we glorify God is when you walk into a restaurant, you can order pork. But let's make sure we treat the waitress with respect and honor. It's about behaviors and attitudes more than it is about the... Because you can wear your hair up in the bun. You can wear a garment down. You can have all of the... And not eat bacon, but be the biggest gossip and be doing things on Friday night that no one knows about. Have lust all going on in your heart. Because the outward things does not uh, change a heart. It's all about the heart. When our heart, though, let me say that, gets right with God, the Holy Spirit will then... He'll clean us up. He'll clean us up. He'll tell you, you got a full-length mirror. Look at yourself. you got that picture before you post it. Is that too revealing? Is that honoring God with our body? And your relationship with the Holy Spirit, he'll tell you how to do that. But it all starts out of a heart relationship with God. That's how we glorify and magnify God. How many are with me today? I don't want to repeat any of that. I want to get moving. I just explained Leviticus in in about a minute and a half to you, by the way. Those are still good ideas. We are still to glorify God with our body. But Jesus said, the more weightier parts of the law... And the more important things to God is not be filled with self-righteousness and greediness and pride and those things that are in the heart. So, let me say this. It is easy for us to do this kind of thing and to live this kind of life when we understand that God is our owner. The culture doesn't teach. Everything I said just went against society. Society says it's your body, your choice. You do what you want. You wear what you want. You go where you want. You eat what you want and you are in control. That's what the teaching of the world is. Well, when you understand, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your body begins goes from a body to a temple. And now we are to honor God with our body. So what gives God the right to be the owner of our body? Well, I wanna show you this, this is an amazing fact. Verse 19 says this, we done read it, but let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. Uh, And it says, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, for you must honor God with your body. So there's two reasons why God has the right to tell us what to do with our bodies. Number one, it's because he created us. You did not get here by... A slime that developed over millions of years because two rocks slammed together and you come crawling out of a, this, the ocean and you slowly over millions of years developed intelligence and turned into some kind of. Uh, animal and went to the zoo, so you went from the goo to the zoo to you. That, that is not what has happened to you and me. I, I'm, I'm here to tell you it's not. Most of us know that, but you need to hear it again. God created you, and I'm going to break it down in a couple of weeks. He created only two genders, male and female. In the image of God, he created them. And I know we live in a fallen world, and there's a lot of damage and a lot of uh, things in our world that has complicated that, and we'll talk about that. But I want you to know, number one, God can tell us how to live because he, he created us, he designed us. Amen? And let me, let me show you this. Uh, you'll probably remember this forever. I was telling Josiah. Here's that part, Josiah, I've been telling you about. I believe that God even left a signature inside of every single one of us. Um, I heard this a few years ago by a man named Louis Giglio. He uh, is a man of God who travels the world, and he has these passion conferences. And he, 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 uh, he said this at a conference uh, some years ago, and it, the video went viral. You can look it up on YouTube. Just type in Louis Giglio, and, uh, and then you'll type in the word Laminin, L-A-M-I-N-I-N. And uh, I'll explain it in a minute. He is a, a minister, and he was talking about how God created us. One of his things is he takes nature, and he shows people through nature that there is a God and how obvious it is. And I love his his messages. He's just a great down-to-earth. He fills stadiums. He goes after young people. Young people love this guy. He's just got an anointing for it to just be real and basic and plain. and. And he said he was talking on an airplane with a microbiologist who happened to be a Christian. And he had a discussion about the human body. And he said, so, oh, man, well, you need to know about laminin. And it's a whole long video. I don't have, I was going to show it, but it's too long. And he goes, laminin? He goes, yeah, you need to tell your people about laminin. I'm a microbiologist. And you need to tell your people about laminin if they want to see God in their body. He goes, I've never heard of laminin. He said, He said, so tell me about laminin. He goes, you need to go look it up. He said, I don't even know how to spell it. And so he gets a card out and he spells L-A-M-I-N-I-N. He said, I'll just tell you this, that it's the foundational protein in your DNA. In our DNA cells right now, there is a foundational protein called laminin. We all have it. And it holds everything together in our body. This is amazing. I love this kind of stuff. And it is the main foundation. It's like the re-rod in cement that holds the concrete together when you put a foundation in, in the building. It's called laminin, and it's a protein, and it's inside of all of our bodies. When he went and looked this up on a computer, this is the image, the scientific diagram of what a laminin is. I want you to see it. This is what is inside of all of our bodies. If you've got praise, if you want, if you're watching at home, hopefully you can see that on your screen. Why wasn't it a shape of a circle like the other cells or uh, octagon or triangle? You can't make this up. This is a perfect shape. Of a cross could you imagine being a person that don't believe in God and be a microbiologist and and you have to get into this and draw that you have to draw that well I want to take a step further I studied this out because it blows my mind and not only is it a shape of an obvious cross um, it is also made up of a three-stranded coil Now, Louis didn't mention this, but I, love, I get into this because we're Pentecostal Trinitarians. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name. So I looked that up, and, and this protein is made up of a three stranded cord. In other words, it needs all three to be a healthy protein. It's a totally different uh, cell if it doesn't have all three. They're three different, but they're three the same, and they make the protein. It's in your bodies. I believe that is a signature. Do you want to see the the real image of what it looks like in your body? It's this right here. Under a microscope, obviously. I just got to give that to you. There's a scripture in Colossians that says Paul wrote, had no idea. Paul was not a microbiologist at all, but he wrote this scripture and he said, from the beginning, Jesus has always been here and he holds all things together. Your Bible says that. Before there was a scientist, before there was a... Bible. I'm just trying to show us today that God has the authority to tell us how we need to live our life because he designed us and even signed his name on every person's DNA. Whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God, he's got his seal upon you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Second reason why he can tell us what to do is because he, number one, he created us, but number two, he bought us with a price. Now, this in our Western thinking may be a little offensive or we have a hard time connecting the dots, but I want you to know this again. Don't have a lot of time to go into this, but I'll just tell you this. Every person that is born is born a sinner. We are born in sin. Even my beautiful grandson who's coming, he's gonna be the only perfect child other than Jesus, but he's, uh, he's, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, I talked about taking him to Chick-fil-A and teaching him how to share. You know why? Because we don't have to teach our kids uh, to be greedy, but we will have to teach them to share. No one taught us to put that cookie back there at the bake sale today. You're going to be you know, wanting to take them. That's a natural part of our human fall is, is, to, is to hide and be stingy. That's our fallen nature. we got to teach them to be generous. You follow me? Here it is. We're all born sinners. As cute as we are, as pretty as we are, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, how many years God gives you on this planet, you are still a sinner. Jesus looked at the religious people of his day and said, You are of your father, the devil. I know we think we're all God's children. You put it on Facebook and they say, We're all God's children. No, we're not. We are children of wrath, Ephesians 2. We are children of of sin because of the fall. That's why the good news is Jesus came to die for you and for me. So that whosoever, amen, whoever believes in Jesus Christ as being the Messiah, the Son of God, and makes him the Lord of your life, he buys us back into his family. Buys a word, it should be purchased, it should be made, uh, adopted. Paul uses the word adopted into the family. This is what he means, and he paid a high price, and that price was the blood of Jesus Christ. So those are the reasons why he can tell us how to honor him. So we glorify God, and we honor God by magnifying God in the way that we dress, in the way that we eat, in the way that we speak. I was going to get into this, but I don't. It, it, let's make it easy for people to find Jesus in us. Some people, it's very hard to find Jesus in their life. Why? Because they're living their life, and when it's hard to find Jesus in my life, it's when I'm not magnifying him, but I'm magnifying flesh. When I'm magnifying flesh. When we're magnifying our flesh, it's harder for people to find Jesus. But you want to walk around and give God glory by the way we talk and in the, in the way we treat one another? That's how we magnify God with our bodies. Well, I'm glad I came to church today. Thank you. Second question: Do you love your temple? Do you love your temple? Listen, this is kind of a paradox of Christianity. I know we're told in scripture oftentimes to deny ourselves, uh, to crucify our flesh, and and in the last days there'll be people people who are lovers of themselves. So it it has a negative um, uh, narrative, and, and there's a lot of things that are in the scripture telling us not to love ourselves, but he's not talking about that. I'm gonna show you some scriptures here that he actually tells us to love ourselves, not in a narcissistic way. Just like I tell you to always find yourself in the Bible, I don't mean it in a narcissistic way for you to just get blessed. What I mean by that is find your situation in the Bible, how people met God in that situation and got out of it. That's what I mean. Same way when you look at these scriptures that talk about loving yourself. We don't love our selfish, prideful, sinful desires. We crucify them. Anything that hinders us from magnifying God, we need to put them under the blood. Put them to death. Reckon yourself to be dead to that sin nature. That's what it means to to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him. On the other hand, we're told to love and be content with who God made us this is huge in our in our culture today people are there's a narrative being made and you guys hear it and see it you watch the news you see it that if you're not happy with who you are simply just identify as someone else i mean and they're telling people that and the whole law that went into effect in florida was not against gay people what it was is just keeping teachers from talking about gender issues to kindergartens through fifth, third grade. I mean, I, there's what is wrong with that? I mean, that is our responsibility, I believe, and the scripture teaches that parents are to teach our kids about that stuff. Amen? Yes, yes. Uh, but this is huge in our culture, and it already sets a precedence for anyone that is struggling emotionally or not liking themselves. I mean, we all complain about ourselves. I did my whole life. I was always short and legged. And uh, my older brother, he's tall. Steve Short, Amen. I felt better when he come along, but but Markums are all bigger guys. My dad and, and his eight brothers, my eight uncles, they're big dudes, and I'm like, God. I mean, I was freshman in high school, and I, people was always, "Are you supposed to be here?" <laughs> you know, yeah, shut up, man. So I, I developed an attitude and started becoming friends with bigger guys like Ladon, and I was like, Hey, Ladon, <laughs> what'd you say? Say that again. Down and down be like, hey man, that's my boy. So anyway, so we all complain about ourselves which we were taller, which we were whatever. That's the difference between that and hating ourselves. And in order to honor God with our temples, there, it is very important that we do our, our content with who we are. And we love who God has created us to be. Listen, everybody, listen today. You are created to be exactly who you are. There has never been, nor never is, or never will be another person that is just like you. Hear me today. Well, I'm just like my dad, or I'm just like my. You may have the genes, but you are unique. Your fingerprints, And even God does that. Isn't it amazing how we all have different fingerprints? Are you kidding me? It's amazing to think about that. Seven billion people on planet earth and we all have different fingerprints. Only a God can do that, that designed us. But you are unique. So we need to learn to be content. Why is that important? Because look at these scriptures about uh, loving ourselves. Well, let me just tell you this. Some people are born with handicaps or some people are born with illnesses. Again, it's because of the fall. And our God can heal. But I know it's a real challenge for many people and children, especially when we're born and there's illnesses and things that will handicap us. Well, this quote by Helen Keller, which is a phenomenal woman, by the way, Uh, Helen Keller was just outstanding woman. Listen to this quote. She actually says, I thank God for my handicaps, for through them I have found myself, my work and my God. Of course, we know she was born blind and unable to speak, but there's a person that ended up being content with who they were. And I love another quote she said, is that her hope, she's not afraid of death because with Jesus, she knows that death is just simply going from one room to another. But it is different from, for me because I know when I go into that next room, I'll be able to see. Helen yes. Keller, I love that quote. She lived with a hope that we all should be living with right now that this time is fading. But look at these scriptures about loving yourself. The greatest commandment in all of the Bible says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, right? And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. You ever catch that? No one has ever talked about that. Why did he say that? It is hard for you to love somebody else if you don't love yourself. How can you magnify God by being kind and being, and being like Jesus and magnifying? Jesus loved everybody. But we are not going to do that if we believe the lie of the devil that says that we were a mistake, that we were not supposed to be here, and that always comparing ourselves with other people, that's all from the pit of hell to try to get us to not love who we are. I'm here to tell you that God made you fearfully and wonderfully just the way you are, and embrace it, embrace Say, how can I glorify God with this temple that he has given me? Because it translates into the way you love everybody else. Look at this. If you're married, Paul said to the married people, Ephesians chapter 5, Husbands, love your own wives as your own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Look at that. In other words, you can't really love your spouse the way that we're called to love it unless you are content with who you are. A narcissistic kind of love for ourselves, if you might have seen them, people that look all good and we make sure we're taken care of but we neglect our spouse. If that's you or me, friend, that's a narcissistic love. That's not the kind of love. The pure love that God wants us is to have our love and a contentment with who we are and to be able to love and make sure our spouse is doing good. But we're never going to be able to do that if we're not happy with who we are as individuals. That's how we glorify God with our body. And this is where emotional health comes in. And I would love to talk more about this, but I know I'm not gonna be able to. Let me just throw this in right here about emotional health. Emotional health is a serious issue that we all deal with today. I know the pandemic, it's on the rise since COVID and since the world is just unraveling. People are losing their ever-loving mind. Substance abuse is on its all-time high. Um, We all know the stories. And I love that we're talking about emotional health now because it needs to be talked about And it is important. Let me bring you back to the book. It's amazing how God started from day one to solve that problem by giving us what's called a Sabbath. Our emotional health and our bodies, the best way I can explain this as short a time as I can, is that when we begin to not cherish our bodies and cherish our emotions and take time to slow down, we start having problems. And we ignore those problems. I had a friend that had this old car. and I remember getting in the car with him years ago and I looked and he had little pieces of black tape all over his dash. And I said, "Uh, what do you got all that all over your car for? He said, man, them stupid lights keep coming on and it's driving me nuts, man. I said, those lights are coming on because there's a problem with your engine, (laughs) okay? The only one he had on was the gas light, you know, and he's like, I'm like, I know what that means. When it comes on, it means go put gas. I said, well, when he says check engine, it don't, don't do whatever it takes to get the light to come off. Go find out what the engine's doing so we can correct that problem and then a miracle will happen. The light will go off. (laughs) Can I tell you that our bodies are the same way? There's a book that I'll just recommend because I don't have time to unpack it. It's called The Emotional Healthy Spirituality. This book, I gave it to our staff a few years ago before COVID. I still reread it. And it's talking about rediscovering the power and the blessing of a Sabbath. God created a Sabbath. What is a Sabbath? A Sabbath is not just a day off work. It is a 24-hour block of time which we stop work, we enjoy rest, we practice delight, and we contemplate God. Contemplate God. So you take a time off, a day off. Well, I can't afford a pass ready. I know everybody says that, including me. But I have made time for it because you will pay for it one way or another. Either in your attitudes, you'll be touchy, grumpy, aggravating, they can't hear from God, don't even want to think about God, you're going off on everybody that comes up, you're emotional a wreck, and the quick thing we do is try to turn the light off by running to a substance. When God says, listen, if you would just practice this little break of slowing down, spending time with Jesus, work, 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 and then go on vacation. Vacations are great, but you can practice this once a week, where you just have time, where you just set the phone down, and then you rest, you don't do any emails. You don't do any work. You contemplate God. You don't forget about God. You don't take a day off from God. You get closer to God in that day off. Ours is usually Sunday to Monday, 24 hours this afternoon until Monday afternoon. Now, this things happen. The last six weeks, I've had four of them where I had to do something on Monday because of an emergency. So what did I do? I move it to Friday. There is times that I have to just say unplug so I can have that creativity. I can, I can get what God wants me to do. And, and not run my life like that. Run, 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 run. Last one, man, I'll have to pick some of this up in another service. But the question is, just because I can do it, should I? That's really the good one that I started with. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. You need to ask ourselves this question. Even though I can do these things, should I do these things? I can work 80 hours, 60 hours, 70 hours, 50 hours. Should you? I can eat anything I want, should you? In fact, this has some serious consequences if we don't get this under control, church, is we don't learn to develop a healthy rhythm in our life. Sitting down at the feet of Jesus, keeping our relationship with him front and center. And it actually has traumatic consequences to our lives. I'm gonna show you a scripture and I'll end with this that maybe you've never heard in your life. The question is, Pastor Eddie, I know God has appointed all of us to die one day. Can I die before my time? Absolutely, you can. And usually it's when we don't know the purpose of our body and we make poor choices, we shove things in our bodies that shouldn't be, we have no control, we do anything, we act anything, we drink anything, we do anything we want, and we end up having consequences in our body. Scripture in Ecclesiastes says, why should you destroy yourself? Do not overly be wicked nor be foolish. Why should you die before your time? We usually focus on the wicked part. Absolutely, we can do wicked things. I got friends that are not here right now, and it's a miracle of God that I'm here right now because we were wicked and extremely wicked, and some of them died. I lost two of my best friends. One of them I've known since kindergarten. Both of them died in their 30s. One was from street violence. The other one was from drugs. God didn't kill them. God does not kill People that you see like that. You have to take into effect. I know this can be a sensitive topic that needs a lot of time, so I won't go too deep into this. I'll just tell you this that there are some things that we can speed up the process by being foolish. He said, wicked or foolish. You know, we saw this food eating contest the other day. They were, man, eat. I said, that's just foolish. <laughs> I'm just telling you, uh, I don't want to be that guy. You shouldn't eat this. You shouldn't. I'm telling you this. Scripture really shows it. And we just need to be aware that we are stewards of our bodies. That's what I'm trying to say today. God made us. We manage us. And if we would just slow down, eat better, exercise, take care of our emotional health, unplug from social media, unplug from unhealthy, toxic relationships, spend time with Jesus. You'll be amazed at how you'll be set free. I remember I heard Stephen Furtick say that his own mother needed knee surgery in both knees. But he said, Mom, the doctor told you you was overweight and if you would just lose that weight. She said, I'm bleeding for healing. And for many years she did. And her, Stephen Furtick is into fitness and him and, his, and they got her working out and getting into exercise. And by the end of the summer, she lost I don't know how much weight her sugar her diabetes everything seemed to be better and improved and she did not even need knee surgery and she says and steve said you know what god healed you anyway he healed you through his word by honoring god in your temple and he healed you i'm telling us pentecostals it's not always in the anointing oil sometimes it's pushing the plate sometimes it's getting ourselves into the gym sometimes it's not going to that website because it's going to wreck our marriage and our future I'm still glad I came to church today. And I gotta, that's about all I got right there. You received that word today? Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the moving of the Holy Spirit today. We thank you for the deliverance that has happened today in your house. We thank you for what you're doing right now in this place. And right now worship team is coming others are going to their posts to serve but i want you to listen to me right now bow your heads close your eyes those of you that are at home watching online let me ask you the greatest question of all is jesus your owner have you been brought back to him and to the family have you accepted jesus christ as your lord and savior that's the biggest and most important question of all what you eat and all those other things that's secondary you can be the most healthiest person here but yet are not living for God and not honoring God in other areas. He's not the Lord of your sexuality. He's not the Lord of your heart. So it starts with making him the Lord of your heart. How do you do that, Pastor Eddie? You repent of sin and you turn away from sin. You right now give him your sin. But I love it. Some of it I love it, some of it I don't. Listen, all of it's bad. All of it will wreck you and destroy you. So Jesus says, give it to me. I can take that from you. And I'll give you my righteousness. I'll give you my righteousness. I'll cleanse your mind. I'll cleanse your conscience, Hebrews says. All you have to do is want what I have to offer you. And accept me by faith into your heart. If that's you, and you want to pray that prayer, and you want to accept Jesus Christ, just lift your hand up right here, right where you are, where you're sitting. If you're at home, yeah, let us know in the comment. Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. We had 12 people give their hearts to the Lord over the last couple of weeks, and that's amazing. Amen. You can put them down. If you haven't lifted your hands, say, pray for me again. I'm ready to give God my life. I'm ready to give God my heart right now. Those of you that are at home, if you're ready to pray this prayer, put it in the chat. I'm ready to surrender right now. I'm ready to surrender right now. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's do this. Let's all stand to our feet right now. I want to ask our prayer team one more time if those of you that are here please come down to the front and if you lifted your hand to accept jesus christ as your lord and savior you need to pray with somebody you need to talk with somebody i'm going to pray with you but you need to get prayer you need to talk with somebody we have a water baptism coming up you need to get baptized on easter sunday what a great day to get baptized if you're watching online you can get baptized sign up on the website now right now this is the most important part of your life is accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior those of you that lifted your hand in fact everybody can pray this with me I want you to say it with me Heavenly Father say it again Heavenly Father thank you for your word I confess today that I am a sinner I have sinned and I repent today I give you my sin today and i receive your righteousness. And from this day forward, I will honor you in my temple by living my life for you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen.